Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 41 of MTG Radio. This is Tom, and we have a very special guest who may or may not actually be a doctor. Uh, I am not actually a doctor. He's not actually a doctor, but his name is... I, I am literally pointing to you with two different hands, although you're not actually a person, so I'm pointing at a Miami Dolphins uh, flag signed by Lusaka Polite. It's also really hard since I can't see you, so I don't know your pointing, but... uh. <laughs> Yes, this is Dr. Jeebus. Uh, from the Twitterverse, also known as the Internets, or the Interwebs, or if you want to just keep on going down the hierarchy of really stupid things you can call the Internet, we can go there, but I don't think I really want to. Um, I guess uh, we'll give you a quick introduction, though. Um, by quick introduction, I mean I'm going to pelt you with questions. Uh, so, oh. Doctor, how did you yes. start playing Magic? All right, um... Well, first of all, just random plug. Since you mentioned I'm from Twitter, I'm also uh, from SidLexia.com, which I have to mention. It's, that's where my blog is hosted and stuff. We want more traffic, even though we already get a ton. But uh, So I started playing Magic uh, 15 and a half years ago, which Magic was a very different thing at the time. I assume. Uh, yeah, it was... Just uh, everything about it was different. Obviously, there was competitive play, but not like there is now. You had, uh, like, there were intercepts and mana sources and maybe even horsemanship if you paid for those cards. Yes. Uh, I think you mean interrupts, but... Yes, Yeah, interrupts. there was... And not only that, just the economy of it, like, you know, retail on packs was $3. You could normally find them at $2. Uh, you know, dual lands were, like, candy. It was, like, 5 bucks for any of them, and you'd open them in packs and be like... <laughs> Well, it's, you know, it's pretty good, but I'd rather have a spell for my rare. Never something we thought would be, like, an $80 for an underground C. But, uh... That is incredibly ridiculous. I, um, my brother played back then, and, uh, he was telling me, oh, yeah, we used to actually pick our teeth with Black Lotuses because no one liked them. They were just really stupid mana things, and no one understood why they were good. And he's like, yeah, I, I had a chance to buy, like, ten of them for three bucks. I was like, who the hell plays these? They look so stupid. And I almost punched him. Yeah, I mean, I, I started around to revise, uh, so unfortunately I missed out on a... I've opened pretty much every set except for, like, Unlimited and Back, so I've never actually opened uh, stuff like a Lotus or Mox in a pack, although I have them all now. But uh, I, even back then, it was, like, I don't know, 40 bucks or something for a Mox. Like, I remember my friend picking up at this point, we had already been playing for years, and he was able to pick up a beta ruby for eighty dollars. Fancy, uh, yeah. That does not happen now. No, so. not at all. Um, so, played all the way back then. Um, I know you started playing Commander maybe recently, or probably haven't for a while. I don't really know which. But um, what what kind of magic do you usually play? Are you a multiplayer person? Or are you a standard competitive spiky? I'm going to kill you with Valakut Ramp person or. Not even, I mean, when I play standard, uh, I still play competitively, like, I'm I'm there to win. Uh, I don't play Valakit just because that's not my thing. Uh, more of a blue-white control kind of person, no matter what the format is. In, uh, I mean, even in, what was it, it was Time Spiral and Lorwyn, I guess it would have been, I had, like, uh, a blue-white control deck running, I don't know, like, 24 counter spells or something. Ouch. Which... Yeah, it was. I mean, I had to resort to things like Mana Tide, but, you know, that could blow people out because they just wouldn't be expecting it. Um, 
I mean, I'm also a judge, so I predominantly do multiplayer when I get to play. Uh, I don't judge at large events, though, because I'm not going to name names here, but the the major organizer in this area is incredibly stingy. Uh, I, I had to work for him once um, at a pre-release because that was when I was going to be able to get tested by someone, and I wound up making less than a minimum wage on the day. So, Ooh, that hurts. yeah, I decided that he was a <laughs> dick and I was never going to work for him again. Uh, sounds sounds appropriate to me. Yeah, so I mean, I'll play I'll play standard and stuff when it comes around. Uh, I actually tried Legacy recently for the first time. Sounds which, like you have the cards for it. You know, I actually had to borrow a lot of stuff. Um, I used to have I used to have a playset of every card that was played in standard, extended, and Legacy, and a bunch of vintage stuff. Um, and then just before M10, I had to sell almost my entire collection because of student loans. Yeah, those will those will kill you. I'm going through the same exact thing right now. I know it's pretty much how you feel. Yeah, I like I have a literal mortgage worth of student loans. It's out of control. Um, but I've I've managed to rebuild a lot of that stuff. But when I did Legacy, I still had to borrow um, like Parmagoyps and I think like a Vindicator too and Dual Lands. I was almost up to a full set again, and then those got traded away when I was getting my power. But uh, I just say Legacy is probably the, my favorite, like competitive constructed thing I've done. Um, I don't know if it's because I think it's because the crowd was generally older, just because you probably needed to be in order to afford those cards or still have them from playing and just picking them up over the years. But everyone seemed much more polite. Oh, so you're saying that there weren't any like random 15 year old kids who just like bent their like them hundred dollar cards in front of you like oh yeah this is my Jason they like slap it down it's bent halfway over and it's like oh yeah I mean even that wouldn't bother me so much like if if for some reason you want to destroy your own stuff then, I don't know you're an idiot but whatever it's it's more just like you know the shit talking 15 year olds when like <laughs> it's just a whole age group where like you know they're trying way too hard to be cool and they're really not I mean you're at a magic tournament you can only be so cool to begin with exactly uh, it's not gonna work out too well I mean, like, at the Legacy Tournament, my first opponent, um, I, I beat him pretty soundly, although it was a, it was a good matchup for me. Um, I was running Junk, and he was running uh, Blue-Black, so it was... I don't know if you're familiar with Legacy at all, but it, it wasn't a good match for him anyway, but, uh, I mean, the entire match, was just incredibly friendly, and afterwards, you know, after I beat him, he's like, oh, you know, played really well and stuff, and, you know, it's a good match for you, I think it was a good deck pick for the day, sort of shit that just doesn't happen at standard tournaments where everyone's being like hyper competitive yeah they're like they're like yeah they either won't talk to you or they'll just like kind of stare you down while they're playing their card or especially if you're playing control they'll always look at you like really evilly and say does it resolve you have to like be like hey (laughs) chill out it resolves you're fine does this resolve no mana leak oh you have it every single time it's like no I'm just playing a deck but besides that um let's Continue. So, um, when, like, when did you get into the EDH commander scene? About how long ago, would you say? A few years ago now. Um, probably about three years ago, I think. I, uh, built my first EDH deck. Did you get wrapped into it, uh, by other judges in the area? I mean, like, I know that's a weird assumption to make, or did your play group start playing, or did you hear about it online, or? No, I mean, well, it, considering it started off as, like, a judge format, essentially, it's not a, it's not a weird assumption to make, uh, but no, it wasn't other judges. Um, you know, to be honest, I can't even remember who specifically it was that got me into it. 
Um, I had heard about it. Oh, oh I had heard a lot about it online, and some people in the area had started building decks, and I was like, oh, well, yeah, I may as well give it a try, see how it goes. And um, I think my, 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 my first general ever was my favorite card ever, Jareth Lean and Titan, because he's a badass. But um, what was your first EDH deck? My first one, unfortunately, I could not use my favorite card ever as a general, because Sari Avatar is not legendary. I guess it's not. Uh, that so would be pretty it, cool. Yeah, it was actually kind of funny when I went to build my first one. Because um, I was like, oh, well, you know, I'm a, again, I play multiplayer a lot. I'm a big fan of, you know, just, like, enormous, like, three, four hundred card multiplayer decks with all five colors and just, like, giant stacks of cards I like. Because uh, multiplayer is more about... Like, it's really easy to win at multiplayer. Um, I remember, like, the Ferret had an article about that on, uh, like, the Wizard site. You know, mm-hmm. you can show up to multiplayer with a competitive combo deck and win turn two every time, but then you're never going to be invited back. Um, so I just like decks full of random cards to get me into wacky situations that then I have to try and figure my way out of. I think that's actually what makes you a better player, too. Um, but so I, I decided to go with Sliver Queen for the first one, just so I'd have access to all five colors. And, uh... Did you actually, I hope you played some Slivers. Well, I was going to, but before I even started figuring out what Slivers to put in, I was going through, like, you know, what are the staples for every color that are going to need to be in this? Um... So I'm going through, and I've got, you know, oh, I need to have, like, Swords, and Putrefy, and Mortify, and Vindicate, and Artifact Mutation, or Mutation. I just keep going down, and all of a sudden I've hit, like, 80 cards before I've even added a Sliver or a Land. <laughs> and I'm like, alright, you know, giving myself access to every card, you know, ever printed is bad when I own every card ever printed, because uh, they're all going to try and make their way in here. So it it was... Going five colors was the wrong way to go for my first one. It gave me... It just... There wasn't enough restrictions, so I decided to go with Karn instead for my first one. Which is pretty much the most restrictive general you can have. Uh, absolutely. I mean, there are, I'm sure, other legendary artifact creatures technically, but why bother? No. Um, I mean, if you show up with, like, a Kozilek deck, no one's going to like you. They're going to be like, oh, great, so I have to try and kill him by turn 10. Or yeah, stand back control magic till turn 10 and then laugh at you. Yeah, so... Obviously, the first order of business was making sure that there were actually, like, 40 playable land for the deck. You know, because you're, you're restricted where you can't use basic land at that point. Exactly. Uh, uh, we actually went over a show, and even a deck tech over it, because for a while, people were really interested in building a Karn deck, and we got, like, a lot of response, like, oh, I want to build this deck, I'm going to put in all these lands, I'm going to put, like, Gaia's Cradle. I was like, no, that doesn't work. Play your Winding Canyons and be happy. And you know what, though? Like, even the cards like Winding Cane and stuff, like... And especially, um... Power of the Magistrate is a land that I've found surprisingly useful. Like, it's just really cool having... You know, you have to find all of these, like, <laughs> random land that you would never use otherwise. But almost every single one of them has wound up, like, having an impact on a game. Like, I have literally won games because of goat tokens from uh, Spring Jack last year. Oh, wait, 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 I'm sorry. That's that's one of the only cards we don't mention, because I hate it. Because in Eventide, when everyone's trying to open up Figure of Destiny, I consistently opened up uh, Springjack Pasture for about five packs in a row, including a pack where I got foil Springjack Pasture, Springjack Pasture. It, it didn't make me a very happy person. Because, like, cause like, I'm opening these, and I'm like, all right, let's see what I got. Go to the back. It's like, oh, Springjack Pasture again. The guy to my left is like, oh, sweet Figure of Destiny, slaps on the table. I'm like, 
Mmm, I'm going to open another one. Spring Jack Pasture. How does this even work? And it's really bad. Um, except I got back at them in the pre-release when I opened up, like, all red uh, lieges. And <sighs> it's really hard to lose with that deck. But I found a way, but it was really <laughs> hard. Um, so I guess I'm going to just segue into our first uh, part, well, our second part after the welcome, our news desk, which is going to have awesome intro music that sounds like this. Hey, look, there was awesome intro music, because it was awesome. So things have happened. Uh, and by things have happened, I mean uh, we've actually been given some besieged spoilers. Uh, some dude was found his pre-release stuff earlier, weird things like that. Whatever, it happens in some weird way. It's always done by Wizards on purpose. Oh, it was a promotional poster. Yeah. It's not that uh, mysterious. Yeah, it's the not Europeans get their cards early, too. Ah, those silly Europeans. Uh, um yeah, but we have... Sorry to ruin the mystery. Oh, it was so mysterious. Um, new Besieged cards that come out. We have interesting ones, uh, like Glissa the Traitor, which I think could be the most... I don't know. I, I think it's even going to be decent as standard, but that's just me. Glissa the Traitor for a black, green, green, uh, legendary zombie elf, mythic rare. It's a 3-3. Three, three. That's already awesome. First strike, death touch. Whenever a creature an opponent controls is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, does not have to be hit by Glissa to do this, you may return target artifact card from your graveyard to your hand. What do you think about this? I, I'm already in love, but going to send it over to the doctor, see what he thinks. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely a big fan of it. Um, actually, I just built a, another black-green deck with a felon since it was recently allowed. Um but black green decks are they're actually a lot of fun, I think. Um, it's first of all, even aside from the whole general thing and the artifact ability, just a three three first strike death touch for three is pretty powerful. It's incredibly powerful. When I saw it spoiled, I was kind of confused. I was like, so Wizards is just gonna abandon all of the like hedging their bets thing and just gonna go for it. Yeah, I mean, like you know, it still dies to bolt, but. If they don't like, if they don't have removal spells, it's essentially either three unblockable damage, or they have to block with four guys to kill it, unless they have first strike. And in that case, you're playing that really weird knight deck, and you shouldn't be playing it in the first place. So it's their fault, not your fault. Yeah, but uh, then again, if they don't have removal, then they're probably playing a bad deck. But they might not have it at that moment. Um, I mean, and of course, I mean, you can only have so many condemns in Journey to Nowhere. Yeah. You could have so many. But, uh, yeah, I mean, so she's she's an efficient beater. Um, otherwise, in general, I don't think she's big enough to consistently do the 21 damage, but she can still get extra damage in there and be annoying. Yeah, I, I really like her as a general just because it's... I, I think it's one of those scary generals. Like, there's generals you just don't want to sit across from, like Una. It's just like, when you see Una, you're kind of like, oh, crap. So it's this guy again. But uh, I think Gliss is going to be one of those generals where it's going to be packed with stuff like Mindstone, and they're going to drop it, and then your creatures in the first place can't really do much about it. I mean, it even kills Primeval Titan when you play him, so it's kind of like, okay, I'm going to attack you for three, and as you said, it's going to be unblockable, so play your uh, play your equipment, guys. That should really help. But I'm, I'm, I'm a large fan of this. Uh, we actually, I know Trevor, if he was on the co- podcast, would love to talk about his Necrotic Ooze deck, which is Black, Green, Sapling, and Kalfner. And Glissa seems like a perfect fit. So, 
for the yeah, new general. I definitely agree with the whole Mindstone thing. Like, the first thing I saw, I thought of when I saw that was, you know, packing, like, Mishra's Bauble and Urza's Bauble and Lodestone Bauble and just, you know, uh, obviously you'll have other things, too. Like, you'll be able to recur things like Disc and Stone, but being able to turn it into, essentially, whenever a creature an opponent controls dies, you draw a card, like, seems pretty good. And it, it's so bloody awesome. I'm such a big fan. I don't actually say bloody. I'm not British, but sometimes it slips out. That's um, fine. I'm not British, but I throw use in words. You can also... <laughs> it's also... Uh, one of the best things about it is it allows you to recur your rocket launcher. That's completely true. And That's I'm, right. You don't know how to respond to that. And I'm currently on... Oh, I found it! I found it. Uh, deals one damage to target creature or player. Destroy it at the beginning of the next end step. Activate ability only if control. Rocket launcher continue. This card's horrible, but okay. It looks awesome. It's got hilarious art. I'll give the you fucking that. Rock- it's called Rocket Launcher. Like, how awesome is that? Well, you know what? Back in the day, like, when you... If you needed colorless burn, that was as good as it got. Like, you can do sick damage with that. Just hey. only once. Oh, yeah. Well, no, it's a poly artifact. Doesn't that mean you can use it multiple times in a turn? Yep, yeah. So you... It's basically... You can keep paying two damage to paying something, but after the turn you use it, it dies. So you have to do it all in that one turn. But with Glissa, you get it back. I see what you're doing here. Yeah. We, we have a combo. Our first combo with the general. Our first incredibly inefficient combo. <laughs> yeah, besides all the other ones you could actually use, we have this one instead for you. And the best part of that combo is that the rocket launcher doesn't go to the graveyard until after you finish killing creatures, so it doesn't actually recur itself. That's so... <laughs> so horrible. Okay. Yeah, so it's not really a combo, but... uh. But it's as I close as... I have been thinking about combos, and that was the first card that came to my head besides uh, card draw. Yeah, so that's that's the best we can give you currently. We'll, we'll give you more later. I'm sure you're already, like, you have better ideas. But um, another card I actually think will be a little bit important, if not underwhelming, is actually going to be Mirren Crusader. Uh, the one white-white, double-striking, protection from black, and protection from green, human knight. That's also a 2-2. I actually like this guy more in other formats. I don't know. I, I I was never a fan of Paladin and Vec in your uh, white decks in the first place. But I guess you could have a place. I don't know. What, what do you what do you think about this? Yeah, guy? I mean this is this is more of a competitive card, I think, an EDH card. Unless you know, unless you're running some super aggressive night deck then although I mean if you are running a super aggressive night deck, it's awesome. Or uh even with things like the swords or a GTA or something, uh, something to really take advantage of the double strike, both from getting extra damage in and from getting extra triggers. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's things you can do, but yeah, it's it depends where you go. It's I think it's a little I don't want to say too aggressive for my taste, but I think that's kind of what it is. I don't know that uh, are there even any really good like knight generals. That would um, take advantage of this. There's a black, red, green one. Add an Oaken Shield, but um, I don't really see any legendary knights. I actually did the search as you were talking about it, which was pretty efficient. Okay. I'm not gonna yeah, lie. Yeah, by uh, I guess by knight generals, I meant kind of tribal ones, not Aiden Oaken Shield, who, who happens to be a knight and is just raised dead every turn. Yeah, he's kind of odd. He's fine. You know, I'm surprised he's actually not more popular. Considering uh, Angus McKenzie seems to be fairly popular, who's just a fog every turn. Uh, That's just, so. there's, there's there's people who like counter magic. 
There's those people who like burn. There's people who just like fogging every single turn, and no one plays with the last two. So, I mean, I, like, I know there are aggressive white decks. Uh, I guess, you know, if you're running, like, the Kemba deck, it would go fine in that, just because you're running all sorts of equipment anyway, but... Exactly, and the nice thing about EDH is you don't actually become... You're usually not limited to whatever your general is. You can just... You can play Progenitus, never even cast it, and just play, like, a kooky five-color deck. Or you can play, I don't know, a Rafik deck, who is a human knight, who this works perfectly in. Got there. Except, um, well, he already has double strike, though, so he's kind of a weight in that situation. He is. He's, he's a small waste, but he's still an awesome legendary knight that we we were all destroyed by one of our friends who made a complete combo deck out of him, and now we all kind of scoff whenever someone plays him. I'm still going to go ahead and I'm going to say that uh, the best use of him is probably an equipment heavy deck just to get multiple triggers off of those swords or GTA. Probably the swords. Like, you get sort of fire and ice on him. All of a sudden he has protection from everything except white. Yeah, and, that, that seems uh, awesome. Multiple cards doing an eight damage to a player and then multiple shocks a turn. Like, yeah, it's... And the game pretty quickly. Yeah, it's, it's great. And then there's the... The, uh, I'm going to call him the red-headed stepchild just because I don't think he's going to find a place in EDH. Uh, Phryxian Crusader for one black-black. It's a first-striking protection from red and white, infecting 2-2, two, two, which has decent stats. Like I, I, The thing about my EDH decks is I usually don't like to run ancillary strategies unless I can actually win off them, and I don't really think this guy is going to get there. No, he's he's terrible. He's like flat-out terrible for EDH until... Unless the third set of the block is New Phyrexia, which I think it almost certainly is. Uh, really? Yeah, I would, I would, I would put money down that it's going to be New Phyrexia, not Meriden Pierre. Um, but that's beside the point. Like, unless unless we get enough infect cards over the three sets to actually have like a legitimate infect deck, mm-hmm. uh, it it just doesn't seem good. I mean, like it's a, you know it's an efficient body. It has you know two of the best. Uh, it probably has the best protection suite outside of Progenitus, just because it dodges red removal, dodges white remo- removal, and by virtue of being black, it dodges most black removal. Exactly. Um, so it just as a creature by itself, it's extremely efficient. Um, in standard, I'm guessing it will probably you know if there's a couple more decent infect cards, it actually might become a viable strategy with this guy. Uh, but unless there's a lot more playable infect stuff, it's it's not good as like an as an A strategy in EDH. You know, you have you have Skitherix as a general, mm-hmm. but uh, but that's like that's just good by itself. You don't you don't need more infect cards in that deck because he he hits someone twice and they're dead. Because I assume you're going to have some sort of equipment, and or if you have like Nightmare Lash, he hits them once and they're dead. Exactly, or you're just playing hatred on people, or you're being all around evil, which is perfect with infect decks. I mean. I actually haven't seen a Skitherix deck in the wild yet, but I hear they're fun. I hear they're not fun to play against. Um, but then they're, again... They're very not fun to play against. <laughs> like, as soon as that player hits six mana, like, every single turn, you have to be afraid of them. It's The general that only takes ten damage to kill you is uh, is not fun to play against. Like, the hasted general that only takes ten damage to kill you. Exactly. We've actually talked on the sh- on the show about how important it is to have your general have over six power. Because hitting them three times is so much different than hitting them four times. But when you only have to hit them three times for ten, it's so much... So it's snowing over there, so it's kind of like hectic with the lines, I'd assume. I don't know. I live in Florida, so I don't know a thing about snow. 
I'm just gonna put that out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, that's why I actually went to school in Florida. Uh, four years, went to the University of Miami. Oh, and really? So you could actually be a doctor then? <gasps> uh, you know, I was in school long enough to be a doctor, but I, I am actually not a doctor. Maybe someday. It's uh, it's called false advertising. Well, shit happens. Besides, no, I think we can go on to the last card, which actually has me mildly excited. Uh, Thopter Assembly? It's a uh, sick... That's not the last card. Well, I mean, a Peace Strider is going to be a house. Peace, oh, okay, we, we've gone over the Striders, and they're horrible. We've already... You can just put them to the wayside. Time to bed. Oh, yeah, we, we, we went over them when they were first spoiled, and they were just kind of like... Trevor and I looked at each other, and were kind of like, okay, so these are the definition of meh. Yeah, it's... You know, I, I understand they were the first two cards spoiled and stuff, but uh, it's okay to just not talk about something, even though it's new. Uh, they really weren't worth talking about. No, I, I mean, it's cool. I think it shows off the dual nature of the set, as you're seeing with, like, the two different Crusaders, and it's, they're definitely going for the 50-50. There's a rift in this set, and there's different sides, but that doesn't mean you have to make them bad. So, yeah. Th- Thopter Assembly, uh, six casting costs for a 5-5 flying artifact creature Thopter, uh, which has a cool ability. Uh, at the beginning of your upkeep, if you control no Thopters other than Thopter Assembly, return Thopter Assembly to its owner's hand and put five one one colorless Thopter artifact creature tokens with flying onto the battlefield. And so far, the only good thing I've heard about this card is you can play Time Sieve with it. That's that's about it. I mean, like I I kind of like trumped it up, but. I'm not really a fan of it because you never get to actually attack with it unless you have Thopters out already. I don't know. What's what's your opinion on this card? I'm not really liking it too much. Um, I can see it in Artifact EDH decks. I can see it not being a finisher per se, but just a really strong card. But I don't think there aren't too many things it's going to replace in a current like built-up Sharoom deck. Yeah, I mean, first of all, the only good thing you've heard is that it works with time, Steve. There's nothing good. Yeah, I was actually <laughs> going to say those exact things. I mean, if you're playing Ornthopter in your EDH decks, I'm not going to say you're horrible, but I'm not not going to say you're horrible, I think is the best way to put that. But the thing is, like, it's it's a fine card. It's just I'll have to test it out to see um, to see how good it is. I mean, because, you know, like a Karn deck, or I guess a lot of decks, you know, but particularly Karn, like I run Pentavis, I run uh, Triskelevis, like, my general feeling is anytime one card gets you multiple creatures, like, that's really good. That That is good, and the whole entire card flies, but personally for me, I'm just I'm just looking at it, and I understand it's powerful because it puts 10 worth of power in by turn 2, but, I mean, you shouldn't discount this card. I don't think you should just throw it by the wayside. And it could be good in, in straight Karn decks because that deck is lacking with actual finishers' finishers. I mean, uh, Trevor has a Karn deck, and the whole entire time he's like, I'm just going to sit over here and dirtle, so I'm just going to have fun with my deck, basically well, those, magic strabating. But I mean, the, the Karn deck's nothing but finishers. It should be. It's just nothing but mana ramp, and then really expensive artifacts with cool effects. And if, like, if you aren't drawing any creatures, like, okay, I'll drop Karn, and now I'll attack you with like my Ursa's blueprints or something. <laughs> like, everything in the deck is a threat. Uh... But, like, Thopter Assembly is definitely good. Again, I'd have to test it out to see how it compares to something like Pentavis. It's certainly more efficient in terms of mana cost. Um, but I think, like, Pentavis in particular, I think my favorite part is that it's, uh, it's an instant speed thing, so you get to, like, chump 
block and then pull the tokens back out of the air. Yeah, that, that is possibly the coolest part about Pentavis. Uh, I was looking at it recently. Uh, for Christmas, I got Elspeth versus Tezzeret. Right, that's whatever. But um, I was looking at it again for like this, like the third or fourth time, and I was like, you know, this guy could actually be kind of good. Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, that's really good. But at the same time, like that's a really good ability, but it's also a huge mana thing. Like the, the assembly, you can just keep jump blocking, and then you just have to recast the assembly. Not, and it'll probably already be recast anyway, and you know it just bounces itself. Um, so I think it's a it, it's a matter of you just want to pay the six mana up front and keep getting guys, or if you want to you know be forced to leave your mana open but be able to do tricky stuff. It's yeah, it's definitely a good card. Um, it's gonna go at least temporarily in my current deck. We'll see how it goes. I don't know if I don't know if any other decks will want it. I think the only other decks, unfortunately, that will want it will be stupid combo decks. Because I think every other color has more efficient uh, creatures that they could be running instead of it. Mm-hmm. But there will definitely be people running gay combos with it, like Time Sieve, as you said. You know, I'm sure... Which, which even then, Time Sieve isn't exactly ridiculous with this card. I mean, it's... It's good, but I think there's already a better Time Sieve deck out there that doesn't play Thopter Assembly. Personally, I mean, well, having multiple ways to abuse it is good, though. I mean, that's true. But I've I've always been intrigued about the uh, time sieve spell bomb deck, which just seems when I when I first heard about that idea, I was like, oh, so I get to play my time sieve, take tons of turns, and draw cards for each card that goes there. I was way on board with that card, and I think just someone hasn't gotten an efficient list out yet. But that's my personal opinion. I'm a fan of that odd combo deck. Um. But anyways, let's go to the last. There's a card that's speculatively spoiled called Hero of Bladehold that we're not sure is correct, but seems like it's correct. It's two white-white for a human soldier. It has Battle Cry, which is a new ability, which, again, this is possibly the most speculative spoiler I've seen in a while. Um, whenever a creature with Battle Cry attacks, each other attacking creature gets plus one, plus zero oh until end of turn. And then whenever Hero Bladehold attacks, put two 1-1 one, one white soldier tokens onto the battlefield tapped and attacking. And it's a 3-4. It, it reminds me a lot of, for one and a white, whenever a creature attacks, you may pay one to put an attacking 1-1 one, one Kithkin soldier into play uh, from Morrowind, which was a great card. And if you're playing a very aggressive white deck, like if you're playing a Nissan Morrow Hound of Conda deck, I definitely suggest playing. Uh, but I, I really do like this card. Uh, it kind of reminds me of the really, really aggressive white cards that we used to get a while back, but we don't really get as much anymore. And I'm a really large fan. Do you have an opinion? I'm quite familiar. Uh, yeah, no, I'm... I definitely agree. We don't seem to be getting those, like, really aggressive white things anymore for some reason. Um, although that we seem to have two between this and the Mirror and Crusader. Um, again, I don't, I don't like that style EDH deck. It definitely seems fine for Constructed. Battle Cry seems to be 100% the second ability uh, makes sense from what I've seen. I'm, you know, I'm not 100% on the confirmation of it, but we'll go ahead assuming it is. So, for, as a competitive card, 7 power for 4 mana between 3 creatures is really strong, and then, you know, keeps dumping more guys onto the battlefield the longer it stays in play. And that's, again, that's and for EDH, if that's, you know, if that's what you're into. I have yet to build an aggressive style deck like that, uh, it's actually pretty fun. Uh, we've been experimenting with a deck like that for a while, and it's actually proven to be really strong, especially with Isamaro. He's actually, if you can put out your general on turn one, 
it's incredibly strong, and with this guy, it's just going to give the deck more reach. Um, I'm a really large fan of this card. It also has a very important 4 toughness, which we realized with Rock's Wormunt back in last standard. Uh, being able to survive Bolt, really important. Well, it might have a really important 4 toughness. I saw it spoiled on two different places. One is 3-3 three, three, and one is 3-4. Oh, well, there you go. It's very speculative either way. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's a very interesting card. I am a fan. I can't really say much more about it. Um, I'm just having two pre-release cards. Yeah, that's that's going to be really weird. Uh, I don't really understand how that's going to work well. I mean, like, if I'm going there, I am easily, easily picking up Gliss of the Traitor. I think that's the stronger and more fun card. Like, I'll just be like, hey, I'll take the weird zombie elf chick. Yeah, it's... I think what they did was really interesting, uh, actually. I I really like how they handled this, because with... with how, Yeah, I'll just say. With how <laughs> terrible, in fact, is in uh, Scars of Meriden, like, it can win, but it really... It should never win an event, ever. Uh, Although, do you agree with the uh, if-you-have-the-best-in-fact-deck-you-have-the-best-deck theory that goes around? No. No, you're not a fan of that? I... I've found it to be true once or twice, but then again, there can just be an easy... If you have the best red-white Metalcraft deck, you automatically win. That's my personal yeah. opinion. I don't know. I, I've decided that it is always incorrect to draft poison. Uh, I have done it since the pre-release... Like, in one of my pre-release fights online, because, um, again, since I judge, I have to... That was my gun and match my mind to begin with. It was just to do uh, limited events. Mm-hmm. I opened, like, I literally opened a constructed poison deck in my sealed pool. It was everything you could ever want, and I went 1-2. Uh, and and the only reason I got the 1 is because my opponent was a terrible player, and he had, like, he had me dead on the board multiple times, and just, like, he did everything in his power to hand me the game. Um, I think, uh, back to the two pre-release cards, like, I think uh, choosing the two cards was good because they're both good cards, but Glissa will be the more popular choice in terms of pre-release card, which I think will help uh, even out how many people do eat one, because I think uh, you know, like Battlecraft would be the much more popular strategy. Uh, so people would probably be more inclined to take the Mirren packs were it not for the Coil Glissa. Yeah, and I really... Yeah, I'm. I'm a, yeah, I would definitely go Mirren. I'm not really a big fan of playing Poison either. The only time I played Poison again, previously same same story. I actually boarded into Poison, which was weird. Uh, I boarded Green in for like I had like three Sis Bears, and I was like, oh, this card seems horrible. Turns out it's awesome. And I actually Jedi mind trick someone. I was attacking with like two other guys. And I'm like, I had like an O one Sis Bear because it got hit with two negative one negative one counters, and I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna attack. Like, okay, it's the end of the game. I'm gonna attack for fun. He's like, uh, no blocks, and I'm like, no blocks, and I'm like, okay, untamed might you lose. And it was mean, but it felt good. I've done it one more time since. Um, but nope, yeah, they, no. they should know. If you're playing against the poison deck, like they have untamed might in their hand at all times. Like, that is how you have to play, or you will lose. Oh, I completely agree. I've I, I always play like that online, but it was the first time either of us had touched the card, so we didn't really even know Untamed Might existed. And so I was just playing it for fun, and then I realized, oh, this card is amazing in Poison. I will play it every single time. And it is. Uh, I was mentioned, like, I 
just said that it is always incorrect to go poison, yet I actually wound up uh, drafting in fact like two days ago. Because um, I was I was literally hated out of every single other possibility. So I was I was really pissed off about it, but I wound up going poison, and uh, it actually worked out because I opened uh, Putrefast in pack two and Sketerix in pack three. No, oh, well then why in the world are you complaining? I hope you won. Um, I I lost in the finals. Uh, it was, I mean, it's it's still poison. Like it's just it's not a good deck. <laughs> I mean, even though you have all the amazing cards, it's still poison. It still sucks. Yeah. Even so. all you like Putrefast in your opening hand's pretty good. Um, because like you look at that in your opening hand, it's like okay, my opponent started this game at five. Uh, but it's just it's it's just not enough. I even had Genesis Wave as well, which was fun. Uh. Yeah, yeah, Genesis Wave, I think, is actually possibly the most fun card that came out of Scars for me. I love Genesis Wave. I can't talk enough about it. It's just... Ah, I love it. It's just such a fun card. I have it in every EDH deck of mine with green in it. Uh, I'm particularly good at casting Genesis Wave for, like, 10 and uh, whipping. <laughs> That's I, never fun. Yeah, it's... <laughs> It's always entertaining for everyone, though, when, you know, I hit, like, seven land and, like, three spells. Even in even in my mono-green deck, where I thought it was nothing but creatures, and then it's like, land, 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 momentous fall, land. How the night pack land, land. Oh, are you kidding? But, yeah. yeah. It's a very fun card. So, that's your besieged pre-release, all the new cards that come out talk from the news desk. There is no cute outro music, although... No, there isn't. I'm not going to put any in. But I think we can definitely go on to the next part, which is um, the General of the Week, which was chosen by our good friend, the Doctor of Jeebuses. I don't know. He won't reveal his real name because he's in the Witness Protection Program. So... Yeah, it's because of all that shit I say. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't want my real name associated with this at all. No, it's completely fine. It's understandable. Some people take different slants. I'm I'm fine. I actually have random people like in my Facebook friends like liking my stuff, and it's kind of like I don't want you hearing this, but okay. Uh, General of the week is Reaper King. Uh, I guess I'll hand it over to you for like the first building blocks. How did you get started with this kind of deck, and uh, what's your favorite parts about it? On over to the doctor. All right. So I got started with this deck uh, as I mentioned just before M10 came out. I sold. Uh, most of my collection, unfortunately. Um, what I did keep were the complete foil sets I had. I had um, two of those sets I had were Lorwyn and uh, Morning Tide. So I had, I just uh, started playing with a new play group, and I was trying to get them into EDH. So I had to build a deck. And I'm looking through. I'm like, eh, I didn't really. Well, first I built the Doran deck, and it was not very fun. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time trying to strategize and stuff worked out horribly. <laughs> and then, as always happens, I spent ten minutes throwing together a Joyver deck in which I just grabbed a stack of a hundred cards I liked, and uh, that one worked out really well. Um, but they were starting to get into it, and uh, they didn't all have the cards for it yet, so I had to build another deck so, you know, someone could borrow a deck. Um, and then I decided, oh, well, you know, Reaper King's kind of funny, and I can use it with all the changelings from Warwind. Uh, so I went ahead and I uh, picked up a Reaper King. And I have almost no actual Scarecrows in the deck. 
Uh, oh, sacrilege. Yeah, well, if you look at them, most of the scarecrows are terrible. Oh, they—they uh, they are all terrible. I'm sorry. Did you say most? They're all pretty damn bad. I mean, the the, the color-based ones, like Blaze Thorn Scarecrow, is just—I don't want haste and persist. Thank you. I don't see why not. I don't want them for that mana cost and require. Well, they also—they require colored permanents. Is a big problem. Like, mm-hmm. unless you have Reaper King out, they're just like vanilla crap. Um, exactly. Or like you're trying to play the all Sanctuary and Honden deck. Which I've seen played, and it's kind of funny, but it's not good. Yeah, so the, o- the only re- real Scarecrows in the deck are uh, Scarecrow, because he's card drug and her things, uh, Grim Poppet, because it's just good, and because I can't run Skellion. Sorry, I can, but it's not as efficient. Uh, and Straw Soldiers, because it's Portal's Free Kingdom, and we happened to have one at the store when I was building the deck. So I said, hey, why not? So it's those three, and then every changeling uh, that they printed, because they're they're not all great, but they're still better than those crappy artifact things. Um, and it it turned out to be a surprisingly powerful deck. Um, it's the ability to vindicate every single turn is a uh, is really strong. Uh, like see if, if you're playing like one on one. Just like vindicating land while dropping creatures every single turn, it it's pretty much a game over. Or at the time it was. Fortunately, they've built better decks since then. Uh, no, but uh, I've always been interested in Reaper King decks. I think for the audience that may not be associated with Reaper King, I'm just gonna go over him really quickly. Uh, he's got pretty awesome art by Jim Murray, by the way. But uh, Reaper King. For, it has the really weird, if you know cards like Flame Javelin, the two in a red, so it's two in a white, two in a blue, two in a black, two in a red, two in a green. They're all like two in a white hybrids. It's odd, but it works. Legendary Artifact Creature Scarecrow. Other Scarecrow creatures you control get plus one, plus one. So, as uh, Jeebus mentioned, with Changelings, they get plus one, plus one. Whenever another Scarecrow enters the battlefield under your control, destroy target permanent, uh, vindicating stuff every turn, and it's a 6-6. Six, six. He's very strong. I've I've always wanted to build the deck. I just sadly I don't even have a Reaper King. Makes me kind of sad on the inside, but he's a great card. Very big fan. I love the idea behind the deck, and I think a card that I've loved for a while that you mentioned, and I don't think gets enough credit, is actually Scarecrow. Um, do you do you know its abilities offhand, or do you want me to just read it off a gatherer? Plus three. It's a uh, it's either a one two or a one three. I think it's a one, one two. Good call. Uh-huh. For one mana and stack a scarecrow, you can draw a card, and for four and tap, you can return an artifact creature from your graveyard to play. Or it's in battlefield, because that's how we talk now. Yeah. But no, it's it's really, really, really strong. I love this card. Uh, I really can't find it anywhere. Um, I, I've been to my local stores to find them, and they're really they're really popular with the casual crowd for a good reason, though. Being able to return artifact creature cards from graveyard to play for four, really, really, really awesome. Especially when you can just sacrifice them. Um, yeah, well, I mean, you can only stack scarecrows, and uh, again, you're probably not playing many other scarecrows, but it's still just the ability to recur stuff is really strong. Um, I mean, it's it's in both the my Reaper King EDH and my uh, current EDH because uh, for the few cards that are or the few creatures directly in current, it's so nice to be able to recur them and to be able to cycle him. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely a great card. I mean, uh, Scarecrow and um, Grim Poppet together. 
seems like an engine almost. So. Yeah, um, yeah, that was that was one of the reasons I put it in because there aren't that many artifacts in the deck otherwise. But I decided to go with it. And uh, some other cool stuff about the deck, like especially when I started, um, when I started getting my friends into EDH, they were doing a lot of tribal decks just because, like, one of them built slivers, one built goblins, one built elves. Yeah, when, whenever you get started, you're always kind of attracted to those themes. It's really, like, ingrained in your head. Like, oh, all the elf people play together, and all the goblin people play together. And they're all a really strict, <laughs> secular society, and all the all the elves are actually Nazis, and it just works out in the end. Yeah, and it particularly works out for the, you know, for the Reaper King deck with all the changelings. Because, um, like, obviously now, all the all the uh, lords they print are asymmetrical. Yeah. But if, if you're running, like, a ward deck you're still going to have Goblin King in there. Mm-hmm. So now, like, you can't block any of my stuff. And if you're running a Sliver deck, then... <laughs> then you are not going to have fun today. <laughs> it's like, not even, uh, not even Shifting Sliver is going to save you at this point. Uh, no, those yeah. actually always really fun games, too. Cause, like, the first thing he would have to go and get, uh, my friend playing Slivers, he would always have to tutor for Crystalline Sliver first, so I didn't just keep vindicating his guys. <laughs> Once he did that, that meant target my shit either. So just, yeah, so then it's just kind of like, well, thank you. It's, it seems, the deck seems like a lot of fun. I'm a really, I'm a fan already and I haven't even built it. I, I might build it, might not. I, I don't know, it all depends on getting a Scarecrow, which I know sounds weird, but where I live, it's in a place called Spring Hill. We are in the middle of uh, BFE, also known as uh, Bumfuck Egypt, and yeah. There's no card stores within like a 45 minute radius of me, so it takes me a while to have to go get a single card. It's well, it's, I mean, I'm sure you can pick one up online for like 50 cents or something. Oh, that works too. I think yeah. I think it's Channel a, Fireball has credit yeah. for me. It also has an infinite combo, which I'm not a huge fan of infinite combos in multiplayer, unless either they require like eight cards, five of which your opponents have to read because they've never seen them before. Those are the fun ones. Or something like this where. The odds of this happening are just so outrageously tiny. I've only got it off once, and only because one of my opponents cast Living Death to let me do it. Uh, but there are the three changelings with champion. Um, they champion a creature. And oh. If you get able to chain all three of them together, champion each other, then you can just vindicate everything in play. That is amazingly awesome. I never thought of that before. And uh, so that's really good. And then yeah, so it's like changing berserker, changing hero, and there's another one that I can't remember. Uh, changing titan. There you go. Wow. that's good. like fun. Yeah, and I mean, like again, those are just really good in the deck anyway because they're like they're undercosted creatures that vindicate because of uh, Reaper King, mm-hmm. and then die, they vindicate again. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it's definitely not an infinite combo that anyone can call you, like, a dick for playing, because it, it almost seems incidental. Oh, it is. It's, it's like, I mean, I guess I could run a bunch of tutors in the deck. I don't even think I have a demonic tutor in there. But, uh, you know, you, you could go out of your way to try and make it happen, but, like, it's, it's just the point. Like, it's just really funny if it ever does. And, uh, actually that deck, I hadn't... I hadn't really touched it in a while after originally building it, just because I was building other decks and they weren't printing new scarecrows, so they didn't have a whole lot to do. Um, Yeah, there isn't much to put in. A couple of new Planeswalkers um, actually wound up really helping it out. 
um, things that you probably wouldn't expect. Well, uh, well, I, I would think Vents would be really good in the deck, but that's just that, that that I think is the called shot. What else is really decent though? You know, I haven't even uh, I haven't even tested putting Venser in there yet. Um, that's probably a good idea. Just every turn get to vindicate something. Um, so the first one I put in was uh, Disarray Vein. I I didn't even bother putting in, and this is chosen because that would be dumb. But uh, I mean, I get to gain two life off of every creature I control. And then, if you get to her ultimate ability, like, I just get to search the deck for, like, 20-something creatures, destroy 20 permanents. That is, I'm, I'm not going to say amazing, but really, really, really cool. I, and definitely didn't think of that. And uh, along the same lines, I actually, this is probably, like, my biggest EDH blowout story. Um, I had out Reaper King, I had Nissa, um, was able to use her ultimate ability to search for... I think it was literally 20 creatures um, destroyed 20 permanents to essentially remove someone from the game then drop Sark in the Mad and use his ultimate ability to flat out kill someone else that is awesome that, so, is, that is legitimately awesome um, wow yeah uh, there's a lot of wacky shit you can do with changelings and Reaper King definitely seems like the best general to abuse them with just because Again, I probably said the word vindicate like a hundred times in the past uh, fifteen minutes or something, but it's it's a strong ability. Like being able to destroy anything you want, just like as an incidental ability of like you know playing creatures and trying to win the game anyway. Like exactly, like having every single creature you control also have when you play this destroy target permanent is incredibly incredibly strong. You obviously love Vindicate to the point where you actually played Junk and Legacy, which, granted, isn't a bad choice. I mean, I think Brad Nelson played Junk and Legacy once too, but yeah, I mean, it's and again, when you ha- you know, not all of the changes are good, but uh, it's especially good on the ones that are already good. I'm dropping a Chameleon Colossus, like that's already a powerful creature, and now it has like an unnecessary ability as well, and it's also it's starting off. As 5-5 five, five instead of a 4-4. Four, four. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a very fun deck. Yeah, it seems awesome, and I definitely suggest viewers to go out and build it. doesn't even even seem too expensive. I mean, Planeswalkers aren't necessary, but the ones you're bringing up are actually some of the cheapest. Uh, Nessa Ravain and Sark and the Mad, although they're, mo- they're two of the most recent, and they're not like the originals, which are dirt cheap, basically, besides Little Jace, which is only good because it has COP Jace written on it. Um... Sark in the Mad isn't really seeing much play outside of Jund a few years ago, and even then it was a flash in the pan. And Nisirvain, although apparently Elves is coming back, and I'm waving my hands around like, oh, whatever. Um, I think she's still hovering around the 15, 10? Nothing too intense. I don't even think she's that high. I mean, let me go check now. I mean, I, I just looked up recently. Um, I was looking to move some of the promo Nisses, and, uh, the promo ones you can get on eBay for eight bucks. Uh, yeah, it looks like the regular ones at the same price. So go buy the promos because they're shiny. Yes, you gotta love the shininess. I'm sure. I know this for a fact, but you might as well say it for yourself. Are you a fan of pimping out your EDH decks? I'm a fan of pimping out every deck. Uh, I have yet to ever show up at a constructed tournament with a fully foiled deck. Um, but again, like as I mentioned, I built foil sets. Uh, Mm-hmm. I you know I didn't with I don't do it with every set because some sets are just terrible um, and I don't want to but like 
building a foil future side deck was probably one of uh, the best decisions I made since you know the foil Tarmogoyf was eight dollars when I got it. <laughs> the foil Joyer was like. Oh yeah, foil Joyers are like ridiculously expensive now. Yeah, I got that, and then I actually picked up um, one of my friends who had like a foil drawer and a grab bag or something um, at a tournament, and then uh, I got him to give it to me as a throw-in in a trade back when it was still worth nothing. Mm-hmm. And like you know, a few months later, I was at uh, I was at a tournament like selling some stuff to a vendor, and he offered me like fifteen dollars for the drawer, and I was like, "Excuse me, <laughs> I'm sorry, this card's worth money." Uh, like, oh, wh- when did this happen? Apparently it was the day a miracle was spoiled. Um, which makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense, but doesn't mean that's decent. But no, 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 yeah, Jewelry decks are incredibly popular. I think on Star City you can't get a foil one under $20. It's ridiculous. No, I mean, I remember, they were selling, it was very brief, um, but they were selling for uh, $50 at one point. Um, like, actually sell it. I hate Star City. I don't, uh, I don't know. I will use them as a last resort. Um, and at least they're professional and, you know, you get your shit when you expect it and they do a good job packing, but. Exactly. In general, I hate them, uh, I, with all sorts of good reasons. Personally, um, I use Channel Fireball for my Biolish just because they buy more of my bad commons, but. They have commons on their buy list? They do. They have commons on their buy list. You can sell your Blightnings to them for like 25 cents a piece. Oh, well, yeah, stuff like that. I can see. Um, and duresses. Okay, that one's, that one's kind of surprising. I mean, like, shit like, you know, Priest of Titania, Rancor, Blightning. Uh, yeah, the, the powerful ones that actually see incredible tournament play. But we're going to get off of Biolist, if that's okay, and just go to our last topic. Uh, our nice little soapbox segment, which there will be an intro music right here. Here's Soapbox. Uh, it's awesome. It has intro music. And it's really kind of... It's, it's one that I like a lot. Um, actually, it'll probably be two, two questions. But the first one is, um, do you feel there's a different environment with uh, Commander online than offline? Uh, absolutely. Uh, like, besides, there's the literal functional differences. Whereas you can play something like Crystal Shard in your mono green deck. Or you can play the off-color bounce lands. You can play cable Cabal Coffers plus um, Urborg in any deck you want. Um, there's also, I, I believe, um, social differences in between just playing it in real life and playing it online. I know that's actually uh, the other co-host who isn't here, again, because he's in Florida with his girlfriend. Um, uh, he hates it just because he's, as, as am I, loves talking to people and looking at them and saying what you're doing when online you're just kind of like a cold entity behind a computer screen but uh Jeebus do you have any uh, opinions on the differences uh yeah well first of all the functional differences I I I'm sure it's just a programming thing where it was uh too difficult I guess uh, to make it work properly uh but the fact that you can use things like crystal shard and cobble coffers you know, the bounce lands. Like, the first time I was, I saw a mono-colored player drop one of the bounce lands, I was like, wait, what the hell is this? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's that's not allowed. What are you doing? Are we playing, like, EDH on the honor system with our deck? <laughs> uh, so I, I was very much against that. Um, but, 
yeah, it is what it is. Um, so I don't like that functional difference. Uh, I'm assuming they're not going to ever try and make the paper version like that, and rather they're, they'll try and fix the programming for online. We'll also assign cards color identity rather than strictly checking the, uh, the mana cost. Yeah, exactly, which I'm sure is probably a programmer's nightmare. It's It can't be fun. I mean, I, I'm not in programming, so I can freely say with complete authority that it can't be fun to do. Well, it's, it, like, I... I am a programmer, technically, I guess. I don't know. I started programming when I was seven, and I guess technically that's part of what my degree's in. But, uh, it, it honestly doesn't strike me as something that should be that hard to do. Um, and, you know, I can understand, like, they have more important things to do, or, I don't know, they just don't feel like it, they'd rather take a nap, but, like... <laughs> they're, they're just kind of lazy, they'd rather play magic in the office, you know, those kind of things. Yeah, so like I can, you know, I can understand it hasn't happened yet, but it, it's not something that should be too hard to do. I wouldn't think. Um, I, I assume they'd be able to write one general function and not have to go and like manually program every card or something stupid like that. So hopefully they can. Yeah, it's. I mean, uh, it's, it's, I don't think it's something they were set up to do in the first place. Like I remember when Commander first came online, it was kind of like. A lot of people didn't really understand the difference between that and 100 cards besides they put a card in your exile zone you can play. Then they finally put in the command zone, and that's also where emblems go. It always seems like whenever they affect commander online, it's always incidental. It's never really on purpose. It's like the command zone came along at the same time emblems came along. So it's kind of like, I don't know, they're probably just making emblems, and they're like, oh, look, we can put commanders in here. It's called the command zone. I don't know, I... I I, I I like that Wizards is trying to support the format as best they can online, but I also think that it's not an, an incredible priority. Um, but in both senses, it's not exactly a horrible thing. Well, they should make it a priority, and they probably I think they're going to start making it a priority. Um, and that wasn't just me being like a dick, like oh they should make it a priority because I like it. So they should <laughs> say like it's they're releasing the um, the five commander decks. Yeah, the, the the pre-constructed huge commander decks. I, I really want these to be like amazingly large boxes for 100 cards, just for fun. I mean, they'll probably be at least the size of the, uh, the plane chase and arch enemy boxes. Oh, definitely. Uh, I just got fire, uh, f- fire and lightning or whatever it's called. Yeah, fire and lightning. And it, it'll probably even be bigger than that. Oh, uh, hopefully not. I don't know. Uh, actually, uh, Kind of funny. My brother um, got the fire and lightning decks as well. I, we both got them, and one of his instead of a chain lightning came with five lightning bolts. Oh, uh, that sucks. Me for everyone but him. But uh, yeah, wizards will let him just mail in the extra bolt and replace it, which is nice. Um, but again, with that coming out, like having the actual rules of Commander Online should be a priority for them. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it'll get all squared out by the time that Commander drops. But I really hope they support it. I'm now you you compulsively made me look through the Fire versus Lightning deck. Now it's all so amazingly pretty. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I'm distracted by shiny objects. That's why I like foil cards so much. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you've, you've made me distracted by shiny objects. It's not allowed. But uh, yeah, so I mean, there's there are the functional differences, which suck, but I, I guess you have to put up with it. And mm-hmm. 
I know the way that uh, Trevor and I have gotten around it is that uh, we play with people we know, and when we do that, we actually turn on Skype, and we're like, okay, we're going to start playing now, and then we enter a game, and we all jump in it really quickly, kind of like what Channel Fireball did with their all-star draft, so they like, all jump into the casual room. We just all jump into the multiplayer room and just add everybody, and we're just talking on Skype while we play, and it's just, the experience is so much better when you can actually talk to the person. That's that's my personal opinion, and um, I believe you're the same way, I'd assume? Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, Magic is, it's a social game, you know, it's, despite what a lot of people at tournaments think, uh, I mean, I've gone to tournaments and had opponents who literally said nothing, um, we used strictly hand gestures and nonverbal communication, like, yeah, I, I can play that way, but I, you know, don't want to, <laughs> like, why did I walk into a room of, like, 250 people with common interests to not talk to anyone? I I don't understand that kind of logic, but because because you can play without having to talk, without having to look at people, uh, it lets people do all sorts of stupid shit, yeah. like continue to play a Mrackle, even though it's banned, or do things like Cobble Coppers and Urborg and non-black things. Um, I think online EDH or Commander, I'm going to still call it EDH. But online, uh... As, 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 as will we. We actually, uh, commented, like, between Trevor and I before, we're like, oh, glad we called it MTG Radio instead of EDH Radio, which was the other possible name for the podcast, because it made kind of sense. But, yeah. um, and then, like, when the announcements came out, we're like, oh, look, we don't have to change anything. And then we were like, wait, we wouldn't change anything anyways. <laughs> it's like, uh, I, I think I've called it EDH, like, five times now. It's, it's always EDH to me. I'm not, like one of those people that are going to rally against the changes because they're all amazing changes. And again, we said in the last episode, we're all very supportive of the fact that Wizards will hopefully uh, start supporting uh, EDH even more. Um, hopefully not like they've been, and this is in air quotes, even though you can't see it, supporting Plane Chase and Arch Enemy. I think they just kind of let those fall away. It's kind of depressing. But, um, yeah. That's right. Well, I did just want to comment because... I think we only talked about the functional differences for the most part, but... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, social differences for you between online and in-person. Yeah, it's... I don't know, I bring this comic up a lot. Um, I don't know if you've read Penny Arcade at all, but they had mm-hmm. a comic years ago, which completely described what happens here and everywhere else on the Internet, um, which is the uh, normal person plus uh, anonymity, or anonymity, Anonymity? Yeah, that's the word. Uh, plus audience equals total... <laughs> and it's it's completely true. Like, you have a captive audience in the other people who are playing with you and frequently people who are watching because I've never played a, a uh, EDH game online without having people watching the game. And th- so they're sitting there and they're forced to watch all the stupid shit you do and, like, can never call you out on it because they don't know who you are and... Yeah, it's, it's not like they're going to come to your door and meet you up because they don't know where you live. Yeah, and like... I mean, if someone wants to search through all the Spring Hill for me, they can go for it. I mean, there aren't many people here, but you'll get cold. And, uh, and also, you notice as soon as you join games, too. Like, you know, when I play with my friends, we have generals like Ward, or like I mentioned, like Reaper King, and, and Karn's kind of a dick one that has combos and stuff in it. Um, it's, it's still a deck you like to play. Yeah, and um, the, uh, I can't remember his name right now, but the uh, the unearthed legendary guy from Scars there. Oh, oh, um, not oh, I was about to say Didi Scars, but uh, 
That's also wrong. I know who you're talking about. He's, he's one of the mythics that I picked up a lot because I kept on opening him in draft, and I still couldn't play him because he was never decent, personally. Yeah. But I, I know uh, exactly who you're talking about, if that helps any. Yeah, hopefully everyone else will, too. And, like, I know, you just see a lot of different generals, a lot of fun generals. Uh, you know, you join a game online, and, like, it's it wouldn't be unreasonable to, like, to expect to just join a game with random people and have, like, three niv decks all running, like, Curiosity and Affidia 9 and shit. Yeah, that's... That's not nice. Uh, you're not talking about Prince of Thralls. You're talking about Cedrus the Traitor King? Yes. Haha. Gather is amazing. Um, no, no, um, I definitely agree. There are definitely... We've called out generals as being douchebag generals before because they are there. There's stuff like Arayo, which I've actually gotten into a game where someone was playing Arayo in Commander, and literally the first thing I put into the chat is like, everybody kill this guy. And the person's like, no, 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 I'm just playing for fun. It's like, no, you're not. You're playing Arayo. Yeah, no, it's I have an Arayo deck, and, uh, yeah, on paper, I only have one deck online, and it's, you're not playing for fun, Arayo, it's, the guy's a total fire, like, the only reason I built it is because my playgroup has a tendency of going after me first, no matter what deck I'm playing, so I built it on the premise that, well, if everyone's going to be attacking me anyway, then I'm going to give them a good to do it. <laughs> That's, that is definitely the best reason I can find to attack somebody is Arayo. Like, I think my favorite... my The worst thing I've seen from Arayo players is, like, turn one, suspend in special visions, turn two, play Arayo, and then everyone just kind of goes, okay, so we're losing, right? We're losing? Yeah, we're losing. Yeah, I had... I played, uh... I played some one-on-one games with Arayo, and I had, uh... turn two, flip Arayo. Uh, it's, what are you, like, playing baubles or something? Oh, yeah, you gotta run all the baubles. It was... Uh, it was like turn one, uh, turn one land, and uh, no, not the soul ring that turn. So turn two, like soul ring, Arayo, like pop, I think, in a bobble. And it's like, and, yay, you're locked out of the game, other player. Yeah, like they weren't quite locked out yet, but then like the next turn, I wound up popping into uh, arcane lab. And then they're then they're uh, actually top. Then they're actually like dead. There's nothing they can do. It's done. Yeah, that was that was uh that was when the night ended. <laughs> so I'm all fun out of the room at that point. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it was. Well, but um, I think, yeah, I definitely agree, social environment being totally different uh, online. And Penny Arcade, I guess, said it best. Yeah, there's also, the other thing is online, they remove the social environment a lot, too. Like, I'll frequently play a game, like, if I'm doing it with random people, like, I'll wind up in games where no one is talking. That's that's something I actually can't tolerate. Whenever I'm in a game, I make sure I'm at least talking, and then I'll get other people talking eventually, like 20 minutes in. They'll finally, like... It's either to tell me to shut up or to comment. And that's important whenever I play EDH. I need you to say something so I know I'm not just playing really stupid guys. Like, I'm pl- like when I play Meglinoth, I don't want to not hear anything from you. I want to hear, oh my god, it's Blample. That's what I want to hear when I play Meglinoth. And if you don't give me the, oh my god, it's Blample... I'm not happy. That's why I'm playing it. Blample. Blample? Blocking trample. Oh, okay. No, it's 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 awesome. Uh, <laughs> when shards first came out, uh I'm pretty sure it was shards. I actually uh I drafted a deck with uh, three uh blampling Meglinoths, and I obviously won because it was like turn six Meglinoth, turn seven Meglinoth, and it's kinda like you can't do anything. It's like, Oh, well I can't attack and you win. I, I can't even imagine how you would wind up with three of those in the deck. 
that's uh, when you open packs as well as I do. I mean, I went through my Springjack Pasture phase, then I went through my Blample phase, so. So did you actually open all three, or? Oh, no, no, I, I opened two, and then in my third pack I got past one, because I cut the guy out of Naya Colors, obviously, and he's like, oh, I don't need this. I was like, yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, wow. Yeah, you just kind of win with that deck. Yeah, it was, that I did. I was very happy. Uh, I'm a very big fan of Limited along with EDH. That's, which I, I think you are too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I do. I mean, I play Magic Online a lot, and it's all limited. Uh, or it was all limited until I finally built a uh, EDH deck. But, like, I actually just, um, I do the, like, the online championship series. But I'll only do it largely because I don't want to invest in constructed decks online anyway. Because, you know, I already own, like, four foil Jaces, so I'm not going to spend $400 on four like fake Jesus. Uh Apologies to anyone who gets angry at calling online cards fake. I understand they're not. It's just easier. Um. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I understand. I remember the first time I got onto Magic Online, I was like, oh, I'm not going to spend any real money on this. I might draft on it once or twice. And then you kind of just get like, sucked in. Then you forget that they're fake cards. That's at least what happened to me. It's very sad. It's, well, fortunately, my desire to spend as little money online as possible uh, keeps me in check. Because, um, I mean, I win a lot when I draft anyway. Um, but a couple days ago, I had a bad day. I was playing on tilt, and things got messy. Um, but normally, like, you know, I'll draft, and then I immediately, like, just go to the bots and sell everything I opened. Um, and that way, between that and, uh, you know, winning a decent amount of time, it, it, it prevents me from having to pay money uh, almost ever. Uh, except pre-releases where the prize support is so terrible. The last question, which is definitely uh, prudent with you on the cast, is uh, I was looking for that word really hard. Uh, is um, what do you think of um, the impact of social media like Twitter, Facebook, not MySpace because no one goes on that horror-ridden site anymore, and um, other social media have or have had on Magic, and do you think it's not necessary, but suggested that you definitely interact with these sites. Um, I'm definitely a fan. I know we have a Twitter page, you have a Twitter page, uh, but do you think it adds something to the game? Uh, to be honest, I don't know that it actually adds anything. Which as someone who was so active on Twitter, it's probably weird for me to say. Uh, basically, it's a time sink. Uh, you know, it gives me something to do at work. Um, like having been banned from uh, MTG Salvation, where I would frequently go to argue with stupid people. Uh, you know, I basically I needed somewhere to argue with stupid people while I was at work to make the day go faster because I do a whole lot of data entry and that is mind-numbing. Um, I'm sure it is. In terms of the actual like benefits of social media, like you know, it's it's not really going to make you a better player. Most of the stuff that happens on there, to be honest, like it's not very interesting. Again, as someone who was on there frequently, it's very weird to say. Um, no, it's, it's understandable. I actually pretty much agree with you. Um, I mean, like, I get random things, like the time Steve idea I got out of a uh, out of a tweet from Gavin Gavin Virhi. He like that's the first thing he says. It's like Thopter assembly plus time Steve equals win. And I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. And like, yeah, I understood that. And uh, like, 
stuff like that I think is beneficial. I think it's nice um, to be able to interact with like pro players. Like, although whenever you say, whenever I hear someone say, "Oh, I'm gonna get onto Twitter to interact with LSV," you don't actually interact with LSV. He randomly tweets at you things that don't make sense. But I don't know. I I, I don't think it's necessary, but I think it's definitely a benefit. Um, I I suggest certain people are definitely good to follow. Like, I actually like following yourself just because it's very interesting the way that you yell at people sometimes. Yeah. But Although be, you follow, I do encourage anyone listening to follow me. But uh, if you do, be warned that when I am when I am drafting online, there will be a huge flood of updates uh, of you know random things that are happening in games or like shit I'm drafting. I do I do tend to update quite a bit when I'm drafting because I need something. I don't very little from Twitter has actually helped me, um, un- which is unfortunate because. I like things that make me better. Um, and, like, you know, you said he uh, will say random things on Twitter that don't make a lot of sense. And like, it's unfortunate, because all you, all you have to do is, like, play against some of these people once, and, uh, you know, it can drastically improve your game. Like, uh, I'm a huge fan of drafting older things online, like Masters Edition and, like, Tempest and stuff. Mm-hmm. I actually, in the finals of a uh, uh, Masters Edition 3 event, I got paired against LSB. Um, I was like, "Hey, I know you." <laughs> I, uh, it's really easy to spot LSV because his name online is LSV. Yeah. And like, you know, so we're playing, and he's like, "Turn one, jungle lion. Turn two, like, scrim sprite, and probably another jungle lion." And just like his entire deck, he's just like throwing down like one drops and two drops, and like I just I get swarmed by them. And you know, I I even asked him. I was like, you know, like do you even have a late game plan in your deck? And he's like, no, you don't need one in uh, this format. I was like, oh. And uh, I wound up drafting that deck uh, several times after. It was extremely powerful, um, especially because it had a lot of flying in it, uh, which was, aside from the Elder Dragons, pretty much the only flying in the set. Hmm. There was so much horsemanship that flying was extremely powerful, uh, and especially when you have both Giant Growth and Bloodlust in the set. Um you know, with all your little one-drops. They just get in there. Yeah, so, like, that one, like, ten-minute match with him, I think, that has benefited me more than everything on Twitter. Ah. So, I, which, which is funny, and I think, it, I, I totally agree with you, is is a, not a travesty, but it's really sad, I mean, when you have, like, you have pros like Pat Chapin, Brian Kibler, you have kind of pro five Flores, and you have all these really large magic minds on there that are like and they kind of don't really do much besides pimp out their stuff uh, that's all that's all they do is they pimp out their stuff and if you try and argue with them then they just take their ball and go home because they don't like to be told that they're wrong even when they are wrong yeah which some people is surprisingly frequent despite being like well known uh, magic players and stuff and, but yeah it's for most of them, it's just it's just a means to pimp out, you know, whatever articles they're writing to give free shit away so people will like them. And uh, it's a shame, but one, like once in a while, you get a good discussion on there. But it also doesn't help that a lot of the stuff people have to say is just. <laughs> I, I I can agree with you there. I wouldn't put it in those words, but I can definitely agree with you. Um, I think that might actually be the end of the show. So. This will be the time where you may 
give shoutouts, uh, not shoutouts, that's where we're not on the A-team. You can pimp out all the stuff that you do. Uh, this is where you get to plug your stuff. So um, I guess you can definitely go first, and then I'll close out the show. So, Jeebus, you have any final thoughts and or things you want to plug, and or both? I feel like I should give shoutouts to someone, and I don't know who. Uh, you can give shoutouts to me. Alright, shoutouts to uh, Tom for having me on MTG Radio. Very, very happy to have you. Worked yeah. out worked out better than I assumed it would, actually. You're not the incredible, like, bridge troll-sounding person I assumed. I mean, that's kind of what your picture on Twitter makes you look like you are, so... Yeah, I, I guess it does make it look like that. Uh, I can't remember <laughs> if I have to, uh, have to do a quick IMD search. Uh, it, it's okay. Well, um, I know you can. You should definitely follow this guy on Twitter at, at DrJeebus. Um, Jeebus is spelled, in case you don't know, although it will definitely be in the title, J-E-E-B-U-S. Uh, he's a, he's a good guy, I found out today. Uh, um, I actually did think you were a good guy in the beforehand, but, um, cemented it today. I think that's very nice. Um, you also have a Sidlexia page, which you can give the URL here, and we'll put it in the show notes if you want. Alright, um, okay, so I got my shout-out ready, finally. Yes. Um, so since you mentioned that you thought I would look like... Uh, or sound like some sort of or whatever from my picture. I guess my shout-out goes to uh, Aaron Tager, the actor who played Dr. Vink on uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark, which is what that picture actually is. Oh, I gotcha. I know exactly who that is, too. You so, just, you literally just blew my mind. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it's it's amazing how many people... They, like, I don't know, people seem to really think that's me. And wonder, like, did you not have a childhood, or are you just, like, 13? And, you know... Shout-out to him for not suing me for misappropriation of his face and, I guess, defamation with all the stupid shit I say. Uh, although, I, he's doing quite well for himself anyway, so he probably has better things to do. People think that's all he did, and I remember looking it up. He's done, like, I know he's had, he has, like, 200 more film credits since then and has, like, his own art studio and stuff. So. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, who do? Um, <laughs> I know I did, I didn't think he would get much acting. I mean, don't get me wrong. I liked him in Are You Afraid of the Dark. I've, uh, we actually, uh, my roommates and I went through a little period where we looked, we went over all the old Are You Afraid of the Dark episodes, and his episodes usually shine as being the better ones. Yeah, he. I think he was the only recurring character they had too. That are like one of two recurring characters. No, yeah, definitely was. I mean, I was really sad they didn't bring back the transvestite troll witch that was in one of the episodes. But I mean, you can't have everything. I suppose. Um. Yeah, so shout-outs to Aaron Tager, and also, uh, I'd like to plug Sidlexia.com, um, spelled like Dyslexia, but with the S and D backwards. Uh, did I just blow your mind again with that one? A, a little bit. I now understand. Um, yeah, a lot of people don't seem to get that, uh, but my, yeah, my website, oh, you can put it in the show notes. You can, there's a nav about the top where you can get to my blog anyway, but it's, uh com, which is kind of unwieldy uh, so I'll just I'd normally just say the sidlexia.com part mm-hmm. uh, I guess that's it for my plugs and shoutouts and such alright well thank you so much for having you on again you can follow us as an MTG Radio on Twitter at at MTG Radio you can email us uh, which we love your emails uh uh, we are edhradio at gmail.com and um, uh, you can also like us on Facebook if you really want to I mean we're not going to try and I mean we would like you to but it's not necessary 
So, for episode 41, which I'm pretty sure I'm going to affectionately name now with more Jeebus, uh, this has been Tom, and... And this has been Dr. Jeebus. And thank you so much for tuning in.